Right, sometimes I forget where I live. I mean, no, I don't, but, uh, yeah, connecting connections, outside connections, can sometimes be a bit of an issue. Wednesday, July 27th, 2022, I'm Steven Sierski. Folks, hope you're well, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do the live stream for this one today. Uh, issues with it, so I'll just, uh, yeah. You know what, I, I was actually thinking, for the live streams and for these weekly, I, I might do a weekly wrap-up. I might That might be a bit better to do, so I'll probably do that on like a Friday night or a, maybe even a Saturday morning or something like that, do that live. And, um, and that'll be through my YouTube channel, of course, So, uh, which you can find linked from my website, stevenshersky.com. That's where I uh, post a lot of my stuff, uh, archive a lot of, every, of everything that I do, including this here uh, audio digest. Um, went out with a couple of folks today, a couple of uh, former colleagues were in town um, in Beijing for a couple of days, so we went out for dinner. Uh, and they assembled the troops, I guess you could say. And uh, yeah, we went to Guomao District, uh, which isn't too far away. And this uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny. We were trying to find they were trying to find somewhere to, to go, uh, but several several of the places had been shut down. And I actually got worried when he was saying that yeah, these things are all like Blue Frog was shut down and everything. I'm like, oh, what? He's like these things being ripped out or something. They were under renovation, so thankfully uh, Blue Frog is not gone. Although I'll tell you, I. Don't really go to that one in Guomao. That one's it's it's on the sixth floor. It's time I found not to get to. It's too troublesome, uh, and everything. So, I mean, we went to uh, 1886, which was it, it's a I guess it's a Chinese owned restaurant, but it's a German themed restaurant with um, they have cars all over the place. They had they had a convertible a convertible hanging upside down and spinning on a clock from the ceiling, right? <laughs> so. It was all right. Uh, we'll, we'll just go with it, I guess. <laughs> but uh, uh, good food. I mean, a lot of um, like pork knuckle and stuff like that, sausages, uh, and then uh, some chips. And the beer was pretty good, so we had a couple pictures of that. And we talked about work and stuff like that, and how their um, new life is in the, the the new sort of town, and how you know life in small town China, small town like you know a couple million people is. A little bit different than living in Beijing, particularly like the Waimai selections, like uh, takeaway, uh, not takeaway, like uh, deli- delivery, and then shopping sort of thing. Uh, and they're big coffee aficionados, and so uh, there seems to be a lack of um, cafes where they could go have a coffee or something. Which I was kind of like, thinking, like, why don't you start one? Wouldn't that be a good idea? But then you go for a coffee, and you're just like, you're just going to work, right? Ah, uh, yeah. So that was good to uh, see a few people. I mean, especially now that we've uh, gone to a home working setup, you don't see too many people uh, as as often or as much. Um, it, it was a bit tight today because I had to. It was it was raining all day, and so I got a little bit wet uh, going there. Got soaked on the way back, uh, but uh, overall, like it's been raining all day. It, it poured this morning, and I managed to go out and get my run done. And uh, what did I do this morning? I did the uh, skipping and the medicine ball workout, which always wrecks me. Like it's just it's so intense doing that sort of uh, workout. I, I can't do anything else after that. I did manage to get a second workout in uh, before going out and after work. And it was still raining, so I'm like, okay, I don't really want to run outside because I don't want to deal with like washing shoes and stuff like that again. Uh, so instead. I did the stairs. I 
walked out of my apartment door and started walking up the stairs. Did 20 minutes of that. Um, I think it burned 150 calories. That's or 100 or 150 calories. At least that's according to my sport watch. Whether or not it's accurate, it doesn't don't really care. The point is, like, if I go running for 20 minutes, it says I burn about 224. Uh, whereas if I do these stairs for 20 minutes, 20, 22 minutes, sorry, total, uh, it was only 150, uh, despite me being quite winded. I guess because, like, when you're going down, you're not burning as many calories, but going up, um, yeah, that's proper. I didn't, I was thinking about using the weight vest or carrying weights with me, which I've done before, uh, just, but after work, I was more like, I just want to keep moving sort of thing, and, uh, hopefully, uh, like, just, just, Nice and gentle, <laughs> right? Because going from a sitting position uh, for so long and then running out the door, I don't know, I just... Getting motivated to go work out is enough. You know, trying to go sprint or do uh, weighted stair climbs. Uh, yeah, right. Um, was thinking about doing skipping. I'm not sure if I mentioned this before with uh, the... There is apparently some research or some some of these social media influencer people the uh, the pretty people on instagram uh say that you know sprints are actually very good for you and I, i've heard this before uh, it, it's a good idea the problem with sprints is that they're hard they're very difficult and they're very tiring and i found that if i'm doing two days running although i haven't really been doing two days as of late but two miles in the morning two miles in the afternoon it's more like a marathon rather than um, like a sprint, so I got thinking, well, wait a minute, what if, what if in the morning I move that to be all my cardio, and then in the afternoon I do some slow, like, uh, slow weights and stuff like that. I've been enjoying the slow-moving weightlifting, so I don't have very many weights with me. I like, what, two 14-kilogram uh, K-bells, a 20, and a 28, and I, I, I use them quite a bit. Uh, and even lifting the 14 kilograms, although it's easy, I, I have two of them because I can do uh, different exercises with them. If you invert them, it's a whole new challenge. So you're holding the kettlebell uh, by the handle and the bell is uh, upwards, basically, rather than downwards. That adds a whole new strength and stability component to it. There's only so much you can do before, like, if you want to build muscle, I mean, you're going to have to lift, lift weight or, you know, you have to lift weight or do lots of repetitions of uh, low weight uh, exercises. Moving the cardio into the morning, doing sprints, adding the skipping, because I've noticed with the skipping, it's, I've been, I'm dropping fat, I see it, and I guess one of the reasons is that the, the skipping that I do, I, I call it the hard skipping, where for 10 minutes, I, I 10 or 12 rounds, I go one minute on, 15 second rest, and you keep on going. What I do in that time is that I do these, like I, I run basically, but on the spot while I'm skipping, and then I switch from uh, running, knees up, and then to double unders, which double unders, I mean, <laughs> I can do about six before I trip myself. Um, thankfully, I'm not whipping myself anymore, which used to happen before. That was, oh, that was painful trying to learn how to do double unders. Uh, so double unders are basically where you jump once and you skip twice at the, uh, at the same time, right? 
like the rope goes under you uh, twice. Um, they're, they're, they're done in CrossFit all the time. Uh, it's one of the features of cr the cr CrossFit workout sort of thing. Um, do they burn any more calories? They do, I mean, because you are jumping higher and you are pushing the rope harder. Uh, it does get you uh, sort of um, going a little bit harder than uh, regular skipping. But I found doing the, the wind sprints with the skipping rope, yeah, I mean, it's, oh, I can last for about 25, 30 seconds, and then you just knackered. But 10 rounds of that. Uh, so again, with the medicine ball, skipping, running, maybe I'd start doing sprints in the morning and then take away that afternoon run. And then that way I can do slow moving weights in the afternoon. The idea being that if I spent 40 minutes doing slow weights rather than going outside for another run, would, would I see any difference? Would it be a little bit easier? Because uh, I'm not going to lie, doing laundry all the time with the, the running clothes, is, it's, it's getting a bit annoying. <laughs> it was raining all day today, uh, but uh, it sounded nice. You know, it was a nice gentle rain. It wasn't too harsh for most of it. Uh, we, I guess we are going to be, we're going to see rain for the next week or so. It's pretty crazy that we went from uh, heat and humidity all last week and then this week it's now humid uh, but it has cooled off quite a bit I mean it was sitting around it was inching up throughout the day uh, 68 uh, 69 then like 72 73 sort of thing and uh, you can tell it was gonna sort of rain August is typically very humid in Beijing um, not a particularly good time to visit if you're thinking of it not that you can uh, but, yeah, so for the next three or four weeks, we're going to feel this heat and humidity. Uh, whether or not it keeps the temperatures down, because uh, if, if it rains, it does cool off a little bit, but it's never cold, and even though you get rained on, you're not necessarily cold. So it's uh, you can still be out in t-shirts, get rained on, soaked, but you won't catch cold because of it. I have noticed there were far fewer people running. <laughs> uh, the old guys are still walking around in the morning. They have umbrellas and stuff like that. But the runners, um, the lady who does marathon running, I think, I haven't seen her around. Maybe she takes the futian off. Maybe she takes the hot part of the uh, the summer off. Because she does, she's pretty committed. Like, it's pretty much she runs for an hour every morning. Um, and maybe she takes a few weeks off every, every year or something like that. But there you go. Um, the uh, HSK flashcards. Yes, I was... Uh, Working on these, I have. I'm, I've been using. So I've been using Anki Joy, but today I've been working on using the flashcards, the physical flashcards that I have. Going through them, um, the idea being that I'm analyzing each component, and I, 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 I don't know the radicals. Like I, I could guess what they are. They are, but I might not be entirely accurate. So the one thing I've been trying to do is slowly go through them, read each component of the character, and then trying to write it down. I haven't written them down many times. Like, I just kind of do it once and then kind of airdraw it sort of thing. This is something I, I think is actually a very useful thing to do when studying Mandarin Chinese because you got to visualize these characters and you got to make it second nature. I found that that's sort of the best thing uh, to, to, to work towards is being able to uh, not have to think of which character it could be, but instead 
you know, having yeah, this is this is where Chinese gets complicated because I think it's so heavily contextual in terms of when you hear something being spoken and you're trying to writ, write it down, which character, which sound is the character that is correct to write down. And it sounds odd, and if you haven't studied Chinese before, it might seem very daunting. But as you progress, as I've progressed in my Chinese studies, I found it gets a little bit easier, but it's so heavily contextual. And so this is what I'm trying to do with the HSK-5 uh, com uh, characters is go through them slowly, break them down piece by piece. Uh, and since a lot of the, the words, like the vocabulary list, are made up of simpler characters from prior HSK levels, it's, I mean, I'm sort of killing two birds with one stone on this uh, this idea. I haven't, I tried to make a video today uh, of, of me doing this, but um, it didn't work the way I wanted it, so I'm going to have to reshoot that. Uh, I, it was it was okay, it just wasn't, I'm, lo I'm listening to myself going, nah, you can do this better, so I will do it better later on. Um, but speaking of videos, for uh, Language Vlog, I did post a few more uh, one-minute clips, uh, kind, of, kind of dissing English teachers. More, not so much dissing English teachers, but as encouraging students and language learners, myself included, to take it upon ourselves to learn the language rather than depending on a teacher to uh, tell us the secret, tell us the answer of how to actually, um, you know, use the language or make us understand better. Teachers are good, but I've always sort of encouraged uh, people, language learners, to use the date with your, your language teacher to be a mini test date. So the, the idea being that if you meet your teacher once or twice a week, every time you meet them, it's a, it's a small test, not just of what you have learned, but of things that you want to try to learn. So after class uh, or before class, you think of some questions you want sort of answered. Uh, before or after class, you have the feedback from the teacher. Uh, you take that on your own time. You're looking up some of the grammar points, um, implementing some of the suggestions that the teacher uh, gives you and stuff like that, uh, and then continuing to push yourself through the language materials uh, that, um, you know, that are helping you on, on the way. And then using your teacher as sort of a sounding board for pronunciation, uh, for some etymology, like the formation of words and stuff like that, which it's tough because not all teachers are trained in the history of the language. A lot of them are trained only to teach the language. <laughs> it's like, especially ESL teachers, English language teachers here in China and around the world, um, you know, they, they get native or naturalized English speakers. We're not schooled. A lot of the, the ESL certificates are very brief on their treatment of grammar uh, and like vocabulary. They teach you the basics of how to teach these elements, but they don't take you through like, you know, the the 600 year history of the English language and why things are like this and not like that sort of thing. Like how, why is there an S ending for some words? I'm sure someone could tell you, but I mean, if a student were to ask me that, I'd be like, no idea, no, no clue. I'd have to look it up to tell you the truth. The idea being that your teacher is the person who would who would have access to that or would know the question to ask 
Google <laughs> to find the answer. And that's, I mean, basically that's what your teacher and what your professionals are, are these people who have um, access to these materials or would know where to look uh, to answer that question. They can explain it to you in a, in a way that you would be able to understand. So that's where I sort of um, encourage a lot of students to take their studies, to make things um on their own, so to 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 uh, take the challenge upon themselves, to, because really, when you're learning a language, you're you're the one who's going to learn it. You're although you can have a teacher, your teacher is just a guide. I mean, they're not going to be helping you do anything that you can't do on your own, sort of thing. And that's a hundred percent. You either know the language, or you don't. So. <laughs> oh, TikTok! Have you guys started TikTok yet? I'm talking to a bunch of people today, and I, I have. I have this funny idea for a TikTok stream. I'm just not entirely sure if I... <sighs> yeah, you know, how many social media channels do you need to be on? I know, like, I follow this Gary Vaynerchuk guy, and he's like, you got to be posting three to seven to nine pieces of content, original content that is native to the platform across the seven to nine big platforms each and every day. And you're going, well, that's insane. Like, how do you find the time to publish all this content and calling it content is almost insulting. It's like publishing materials, publishing something helpful, something of value. So, he does talk about value, like providing value to customers um, and to your your audience native to those platforms. But when you're calling it, when you refer it to content, it does it seems more like music rather than music. Like music being, you know, your highly thought out and well trained smooth, you know, good listening stuff, whereas Muzak is the stuff that you hear in the elevator that it's like, it just kills the boredom, you know, it, it takes away that awkward silence between you and that girl in the, in the elevator sort of thing, and even though she's probably thinking that you're going to assault her or something, right, so the idea that with with all this content that you're generating for the social media platforms, how many do you need to be on? I was looking at the Chinese version of LinkedIn, and <laughs> if I want to learn proper Chinese, there's one place I should start going is looking into like LinkedIn and Jerpin, uh, Boss Jerpin, which is like the boss recruitment. Um, it's an APP here in China that you can look for jobs or hire people uh, to do jobs for you. And I'm not sure if any, I, I don't know any foreigners who are using the, these things. Um, and I'm just looking at it just going, how many scams are here as well? But even moving into that, like since I'm studying Chinese, and China is considered to be a huge market, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere anytime soon. Like in terms of like, it's not going to disappear. Um, so you got seven or eight, nine platforms, Western platforms outside of China that permeate the world, and you got how many here in China? And if you're English speaker and Chinese speaker. Are you doing both, bringing your platforms up to like 15, 16 platforms, doing three pieces of content a day? That's insane. <laughs> like, where do you find time? But let's put this in context. If you did that, what would you gain from it? What, and what is the end goal? Like for me, one of the things I want to do is start pushing my English teaching materials online so it's there, not just for teaching purposes, but for posterity. So in five years, should I leave the ESL industry? I'd be like, you know, I wasn't completely full of shit when I'm saying like I know how to either teach a language or I don't know how to teach a language and I, that, that I've learned Mandarin Chinese as, as well. 
using those methods that I talk about, which I think is very important for a lot of English teachers to do, is to learn another language so that they are able to communicate to their their students, you know, this method works, this method doesn't sort of thing. All right, folks, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, give it a thought. How many social media platforms do you need to be on? And if you know a, third, a second language or a third language, does, do you add that to the total sort of thing? Right, good question. Show notes, tracks, and vids up on my website, stephensierski.com. Hope you have a great Wednesday. A happy hump day to everybody. Take care, and we will talk again. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.